Yes, we are happy. We are very happy. Did you think it was possible? No, no. We think it's uh, it was possible. We think uh, Russia play three uh, zero. We think. But it's impossible. It's impossible for us. We're happy. We're very happy. No voice tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No voice. Enjoy, enjoy the night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And the nation is still celebrating. Welcome to the World Game Podcast, all the way from Russia uh, 2018, all the way from Moscow. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that we can, uh, you can download or stream or even subscribe to this podcast from our website, sbs.com.au slash the world game. And joining me today is David Bashir. David, hello, bonjour. What a few days we had and what a day we had today. Oh, bonjour, Christophe. It was unbelievable. Not so much for the quality of the, of the football by Russia, but just their resilience, their positivity, their strength under adversity from Spain. And we'll get on to why Spain uh, could not perform to their best today. But let's, let's give credit to Russia and the, and the way they defended so resolutely. Their, I suppose their attitude for this tournament has been anything's possible. Uh, we saw them... That wasn't the case against Uruguay. They were soundly beaten, but the other performances have been very good. And um, with Prince Felipe of Spain in the stands, uh, uh, Le Furia Roja go out of the uh, the World Cup, which is uh, a big shock. Yeah, he hasn't been a, a lucky charm for, for that team, that's for sure. Uh, before we start, I hope you have got something to protect your ears to sleep tonight because they are outside partying. It's like they won the World Cup outside. Yeah, we're in a really nice area of Moscow and they have been driving crazy, haven't they? Down, down narrow streets with flags and a lot of noise and horns and great celebration into the last day for the first time since 1970 at a World Cup, the lowest ranked nation in the World Cup. It's, it's a staggering story, really. When you look at, look at the, the big nations of world football, the nations that have not made it to this point, and we just need to see the defending champions, Germany, um, and, and others. You can hear the noises in the background. It's great, isn't it? Absolutely, and it, you know what's what's funny is like, and before we go down into the football, is uh, it's so different to what we were expecting before coming here. You know, everyone was like, Russia is going to be cold. Well, Weather-wise, it's not. Actually, it was in Saint Petersburg, it was freezing, <laughs> uh, but here it's not. And then the atmosphere, but boy, it's been it's been brilliant. It's been fantastic, and I think a lot of what we hear and feel and expect about Russia has not transpired. I think the people are really a lot different to what. I expected anyway, and uh, they've embraced the World Cup probably a little bit more in some ways than the Brazilians four years ago in, in a sort of funny sort of way. Um, it feels like they're more engaged in this World Cup, and it certainly does help when your your nation, which you don't expect to get out of the group, have done so well and, and knocked uh, the 2010 world champions out of the World Cup. So let's look at, uh, at this match in particular to start with. Uh, Spain, uh, they didn't look that great. It took them 45 minutes to put the, the first shot on target. It's the longest Spain has ever taken to put a shot on target since 1966. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It, 1,029 passes to Russia's 202. They almost passed themselves into dizziness, didn't they, Spain? Like, like they were going, they were shuffling side to side. The, the decision to play Asensio over Iniesta backfired. I don't think Koke works that well with Busquets in the, in the, you know, in those two pivot number six positions. They, you know what, Christoph, they don't have a plan B. And I know their plan B is to do plan A better and to break down Russia, but it was a block defence. They weren't 
passing with any sort of penetration, so they couldn't break the lines. And Russia were blocking the passing channels superbly. So I think the combination of Russia's strength, athleticism, organisation, and Spain's reluctance to change their, their game plan, their mentality, means Spain go, goes home. And you were at the stadium, I believe. Uh, how was the atmosphere? Because uh, I know there's a lot of uh, Spanish fans here, but they, they were outnumbered by Russians, I guess. That must have been electric in there. Yeah, I must say, and I must, a little word for my friend, Tas Rufos, who's here from uh, Melbourne, he's half Spanish blood. His son, 10-year-old son, George, with, with, with us at the stadium, experiencing the unbelievable fever pitch noise when Akinfei have saved Aspas's penalty with the back of his heel, I believe, it was like the edge of his foot. He had an unbelievable match. He was almost a save you can see in, in a handball for people that, that like handball. He was that kind of save for a keeper. It, incredible save. And I think, you know, the noise levels in what nearly 90,000 at the Luzhniki Stadium, remodeled Luzhniki Stadium, was just, you, it was just deafening. I haven't heard noise at a football stadium like that before. In terms of the quality of the football, what did Russia do well and then not so well? Because they are still in the, in, in the tournament and we'll see, but they've got a pretty tough opponent coming their way as well. It was just a, a Catanaccio performance, wasn't it? They just defended in a block. They, like I said, they, they, they shut off the passing channels. Um, they caught a Spain side that wasn't prepared to carry the ball quickly in their, their passing actions, which was a real detriment to their ability to get through Russia's defence. They didn't do much. They really just sat back in a block and, and broke. Um, uh, the, you know, their, their big centre forward did okay in holding the ball up. They had wingers that, that could get forward and occasionally provide some issues for Spain. But really, it was Spain's inability to break a block defence down, which they've done so well throughout their storied history. Um, this was one occasion where they couldn't And I think everything that's transpired with Lopetegui's sacking to Eros taking over the coaching position when really he, he wasn't pedigreed to do the job at a World Cup, let's be honest. I know he's coached in you know, La Liga level and the, the Segunda and so forth. But, you know, this is a World Cup and they are Spain. So I think they're behind the eight ball in that respect. Um, I don't think the, 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 the Isco Asensio double act worked today. Um, uh, you know... You could, you could say they were a little bit toothless in attack. Conceding five goals in the tournament is not Spain-like. So there was all these factors that played against them in the tournament. And we're looking at a, a team at the end of the cycle. I was reading about Andres Iniesta and they, they gave him, you know, uh, such plaudits in the, in the press, even though they're out of the World Cup. 131 um, caps, 13 goals for his country, the winning goal in the 2010 World Cup. 22 years at FC Barcelona. It's been a stunning contribution to Spanish football. And I think things might have been different if he started. But may, it may have been a, an issue with his legs from the start. They, in that heat, it was oppressive heat at the stadium. Maybe they didn't think, uh, Eero didn't think he could get through 90 minutes. Can we feel a bit sad, actually, for, for Spain? Uh, because all the circumstances that you've, you've just mentioned definitely play against them, not for them. And they, they could not, in the end, avoid being affected by it, I guess. No, you know, I th honestly thought that three-all draw with Portugal in the first match they played would have galvanised the group. But they showed their frailties against Iran. And, you know, they were really lucky to get out of that situation, to go through the group. And I think they sort of, when they got to this match and the own goal went in inside, what, 15 minutes, you just thought, well, 
Russia will have to come at Spain at some stage, but they didn't. They just kept their formation, their structure and their strength. And their ability, like I said, you know, not an overly young Russian team either, but to organise themselves. Akinfeyev was outstanding. You know, I, I looked, I think he's only 31 years of age. He's been around, he must have been playing senior football in Russia when he was 16, 17, because he's been around for years. He's obviously the CSK captain and he's been a great player for his country, but he's led by example. And, um, you know, I, what can you say? They're not a bless, blessed with great ability. Russia, but they've played like a host nation should play, and they've represented their country really well. In 2002, the host, South Korea, went to the semi-final. Uh, that was a bit of a surprise. Do you think Russia could do this, or is it going to be really tough this time around? Well, I know we'll get on to the other round of 16, but we just saw a, a very unimpressive round of 16 between Croatia and Denmark, and on the basis of what we saw, why not? You know, why not? Uh, it's going to be a different assignment because Croatia won't go at uh, Russia like Spain did. I've got no, can you hear the noise in the background? It's unbelievable, isn't it? But what makes football such a beautiful game? Yeah, it's just tremendous. Seeing people celebrate in the streets is just a wonderful feeling. And, and they're very proud Russians. And, and they've had a lot of issues, obviously, in sport in the last few years with, you know, in athletics and so forth. But I think they weren't expecting this. This is an unexpected surprise for them. Let's talk about uh, Croatia uh, against Denmark. Uh, that again, a match that went into extra time and a penalty shootout. So we didn't have any extra time until today. But today we got served with some proper extra time and a penalty shootout. One of the worst matches I've seen at this World Cup, Christoph. Do you agree? Is it worse than France-Denmark? It's on par with France-Denmark. It's probably right up there. That was the, that was the European alliance, wasn't it? Yeah, let's say this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. It was a, this was a bad match. And it was almost like... Two teams that were a little bit off, but they negated each other's strengths. And when Luka Modric missed the penalty and wasn't Casper uh, Schmeichel so brilliant throughout the tournament, not just in this match for Denmark, but he deserved for Denmark to go through really. Because we remember against Peru when Peru absolutely battered Denmark and he was good against Australia, he was good against France and outstanding in this uh, round of 16. So I think Casper Schmeichel would be absolutely distraught tonight. His dad, Peter Schmeichel, was in the, in the crowd. He went ballistic because his son was actually performing really well. He's done a very good tournament. I think he can be a very proud dad today, even though they are out and, and devastated. Yeah, and you know what? It, it makes you feel about where Australia could have finished because really, that last 20 minutes, we were battering Denmark and we should have beaten them. And in my view, at, at the Socceroos' best, they were better than Denmark. So, and Denmark's gone a heartbeat away from a quarterfinal. It just shows you how fine the margins are, really, doesn't it, at this level. But, look, he'd be disappointed. I think Denmark, on the basis of quality in that match, probably were outclassed by Croatia. But Croatia were nowhere near their best. Remember the way they destroyed Argentina in the group stage. They were not near that level today. So, uh, they can be a little bit fortunate. You know, when, when a player like Luka Modric misses a penalty to win the match in extra time, you almost think it's fated against you. But to pick himself up, convert the penalty in the, in the shootout, um, and for Rakitic to coolly step up and just slot the ball away and send Schmeichel the wrong way, was just probably a reminder that those two players are the class acts for, for Croatia. 
And, and Modric as well went with a, a cheeky penalty down to the middle. You were, I mean, we were watching together the, uh, the penalty shootout. You were, yeah, top left, top left. And then he went down the middle. That's so unnatural for him. But that was cheeky, but it worked. It worked because the one in extra time that was saved, it was perfect height. And, and Schmeichel read him. He's, he's, he's feigned one way and gone the other because he knows that he's going to, uh, Modric is going to open his body and, and hit with a side foot uh, to Schmeichel's left, which he did. So I think it was a really, really good... You know, Schmeichel's... He's got under a few players' skin at this uh, World Cup. He, you know, he was, we know he got straight into the face of Milay Jedinak against Australia, and Jedinak didn't bat an eyelid. He just coolly slotted his uh, 12th penalty away for Australia. But he's got this mind game thing going. I think he's, he's not a very... He's not like his father off the pitch. His, uh, Peter Schmeichel was a big personality. Casper's very, very quiet, but on the pitch, he's a real-born leader. That's very interesting to see how he transforms his behaviour, his dad's behaviour on the on the on the field. Um, all in all, Croatia lucky inverted comma to, to go through a bit of disappointment compared to the, the performance they probably shown in the group stage. Should we contend as, as still a, a big contender from that side of the group? Uh, yeah, you know what, Croatia's the sort of team, and even by their own fans, and even Lucy Zelic has told me many times, and Joko Kalas, they they play sometimes like that. They're on, on the island of Brach, just on the beaches, um, having a, a cocktail and not really focusing on anything other than just enjoying themselves. Sometimes they have that mentality, but when Croatia lock in, uh, you know, guys like Perisic, not away from Rakitic and Modric, but Perisic and uh, Kramaric, uh, Mandzukic, these are very good players. Subasic is a very good goalkeeper as well. I think they've got a suspect defence. That's why I don't think they'll go deep into the tournament. I think they've got certainly some issues in the centre of defence. But, you know, they've got quality on their side. I think it's nowhere near the quality they had in 98. And we saw Davos Shuka at the, at the match and guys like Pozhineski and, and, and Boban and all these great players of the past. This is not a Croatia that, that ranks amongst those players. But they certainly probably can go to a quarter-final. I, I think they can beat Russia. I think if they're on their game... Russia have gone through the most exhausting of matches in front of huge fans at the Luzhniki. I, I think, given the quality of each team, I think I'd just slightly favour Croatia in that one. OK, because it's Monday morning and then because it's such a pleasure for me as well to talk about it, let's talk about France against Argentina. Oh. <laughs> or let's talk about what happened this weekend and France against Argentina. Uh, I mean, I was ecstatic. What did you make of that match? Because you and I when we talked about this match coming up we said someone some team will have to wake up and the wake up call came from France I think I, I'm not trying to sound smart but I think I told you in the last podcast that they would wake and no, but we know you're smart okay <laughs> I'm not always smart I just felt that they had that performance in them now really Argentina has, should not have got anywhere close to them on the quality of football they produce that's why France is so frustrating so frustrating for Didier Deschamps and the, and the country uh, because they let Argentina in the match. Mbappe has produced probably 60 minutes of the best football at this World Cup. Unbelievable. He's, I've never seen, I've never seen intensity like that since, since maybe Thierry Henry was at, at his absolute top. And, you know, maybe Mark Overmars at Arsenal when he was there. I've never seen pace and intensity and cutting edge like that. He's just a, a delight to watch. And my friend Robbie Thompson, who's the press manager, the media manager at PSG, says that Kylian Mbappe is such a, a down, he, he's such a grounded, uh, very, very considered 
nothing like some of the other French players. He's very humble and down to earth. And so I wish him all the best. I think he can be an, a genuine superstar of world football in the years to come. And an interesting day as well, because Messi goes out and then Ronaldo goes out as well. I personally wasn't impressed by this team in Portu Portugal this year, I, honestly. Uh, and, and I'm not surprised they're not going deep. No, I think they were far too reliant on Cristiano Ronaldo. And I know people will argue that point, but it's true. When you look at their results, when he's on, they tend to be on. Uh, I know Pepe scored and, and Santos has thought that they're a multi-dimensional team. But to me, Uruguay outplayed him in that match. It wasn't, there wasn't much in it but it was the quality of Suarez and Cavani up front really that did the, did the business and they, they can get into overload situations, Uruguay, into key areas of space and that really does win football matches for them. Are they going to win the World Cup? I don't think so, um, but this has been a Portugal side since the Euros that has just dropped off a little bit and I think we saw that at this World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting that uh, if your friend is from PSG, he must have been happy because Mbappé performed well, Cavani performed really well as well. He's, he's buzzing and I think it was Mbappé's performance. He was, he's, he's messaging me on WhatsApp every five minutes saying he, can't, he, he always thought he had this in him and we've seen that for, club, uh, for, for his club, uh, PSG, but we haven't quite seen it in what, under 10 or 11 internationals for France, but I think this was the match where he can say now that he's arrived as a as a as a not a a complete superstar, but a, a superstar in waiting. This is brilliant. Uh, we'll take a short break, and then when we come back, we'll uh, have a quick look at what's happening tonight on the World Cup here from Russia. Don't go anywhere. Don't miss a moment of the 2018 FIFA World Cup with SBS Radio. Hear the passion with every match in multiple languages. All live and free on SBS Radio and the 2018 FIFA World Cup app. Download now. Uh, welcome back to the uh, World Game Podcast while uh, the Russians are still celebrating and we're still here with uh, David Bashir uh, to talk about what's coming up tonight. On paper, tonight, there is a great match, Brazil against Mexico. Uh, Brazil are more and more appearing like the ultimate favorite of this World Cup, but Mexico can cause them a bit of trouble. They, they can. I don't think they've got the class, though, over 90 minutes. I think in, in parts of that match, they'll look very threatening on the counter-attack, but Brazil are the complete team, and I, they were my pick before the World Cup. I think the way they went through qualifying, the hurt from 2014, uh, the Neymar effect. Um, Tite has been, you know, in this crazy world of Brazilian football and the post-Dunga period, which was disastrous for Brazil, he's been the shining light. He's galvanised the group, and I think he's done a fa fabulous job. And I think they've got multi-layers, haven't they, in, in their attacking Uh, Gabriel Jesus, uh, Paulinho, even some of their bench players are just match winners themselves. Coutinho has been a really good player for them at this World Cup. Villian as well. So uh, for me, Christoph, they are the logic, always have been the logical favourites. I don't think Mexico will get close to them in this match. I really don't. It's quite interesting as well to see that we, we talked a bit earlier in the podcast how Messi go, goes out and maybe he's going to retire for a second time. We're not too sure what's going to happen. And some of the Argentinian players are going to go off. Ronaldo is out, you know, all those superstars. Could, this World Cup could be the World Cup for Neymar to stump his word on saying he's the best player in the world because he's got such an impact on this team. Yeah, he has. He has. And some would argue, actually, the opposite. Some would argue that Brazil play better without his presence because it's too Neymar-focused. I, I think there's far too many good players in the Brazilian team for that to be the case, I actually. 
but I think he's always going to be a benefit to Brazil. But yes, he could break. He could break round of 16 onwards. He hasn't quite done it in the tournament so far. He hasn't been at the level that I think he can be. But remember, he's missed what the last couple of matches, months with PSG, I think, leading up to the World Cup, at least six weeks, and that's going to take an impact. So I think from this point of the tournament, he will be a major, major impact for Brazil. I'm actually backing up again what I said before with your mate at PSG, Mbappé, Cavani, Neymar. The PSG is winning that World Cup. I think if PSG could perform well at club level like they do at the World Cup, they'd be Champions League winners every, every year, wouldn't they? Absolutely. That lineup is incredible. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, the other match uh, will be Belgium against uh, Japan. Um, I'm a bit dubious about this match. What can we expect from Japan? Because Belgium looks definitely, I think, one step above. Uh, Absolutely, and I think Nishinov's done a really good job with Japan. They got through, through the only team to get through to the round of 16 on the FIFA Fair Play rule, the technicality, which Nishinov actually apologised publicly about, which is amazing. It's very Japanese, isn't it, uh, in the press conference afterwards. But, look, Belgium is, is a very... All you need to mention are three players, and they are all top-class World Cup players, and that is Lukaku, De Bruyne and Hazard, those three. And they've got a stellar defence, they've got match winners in the forward third. So I, I think, what, and, and they're playing for Martinez. Every, apart from Everton, which was an unsuccessful stint for him, every club he's played at, the players love him. And I think the body language is so positive for Belgium. I, again, I think this will be not a mismatch, but I think Belgium will comfortably go through. That would be uh, quite interesting. How far do you think Belgium can go? Because on the way, uh, there are some pretty big names. Again, we are talking the side of France, of, of Brazil, uh, Mexico maybe. But uh, it's almost a shame Belgium is not on the other side. And then they played and won against England. Because Belgium on the other side would look terrifying for all the way to the final. I agree. And that's why Russia may do something. And just imagine if they get past Croatia. They're on the soft side of the draw. So... It is a pity because I think not a lot separates those three nations. And um, I think Belgium potentially could get to a semi-final. Um, I'm not sure they can win it. I, I still believe Brazil are the logical favourites. Uh, England could get to a semi and beyond. I think they could get to a final of the sort of brand of football they're playing. I know that's for another podcast, but, um, uh, you know, I, I really like the, what, what I see with Belgium. I think from that side of the group, it is Belgium and, uh, and uh, Brazil that are the favourite teams. Absolutely. Thanks, David. It was a pleasure to have you in the podcast. We're going to let the Russian celebrate uh, and we're going to see if we can catch a bit of sleep. Not sure. Yeah, we need earplugs tonight, don't we? Definitely. Uh, big time. <laughs> Good on you, Christophe. Thanks, David. Bye. And this is it uh, for today. Uh, let me remind you that uh, you can download, stream or even subscribe to this podcast from our website, sbs.com.au slash the world game. Next uh, podcast will be uh, delivered to you tomorrow morning. But until then, from a very noisy uh, Russia, from a very noisy uh, Moscow, it's bye for now.